Thank you for listening to the Pentecostals of Bossier City Sermon Podcast. For more information, including our live webcast schedules, please visit www.pobc.cc. We take care of business, most of which I don't know a whole lot about, but so I was asked to be the chairman of the Resolutions Committee. One of the jobs is of the, of the chairman is once you've picked out the resolutions that you're going to bring to the conference floor to the business session, the chairman of the committee reads the resolution at the business meeting, and you can either make a move to accept. You don't have to do anything. Somebody else has to bring it to the floor, whatever. But anyway, that's not important. It just so happened that the year that I was asked to do this, we had the longest resolution in the history of our organization. So I looked this thing over, and I think Brother Haney was our superintendent at the time. And so as we got ready to start this business meeting, I looked over and I said, do I have to read this whole thing? It was, it was a lot of jargon. It was changing a portion of our manual. We had a division of education, and we had a publishing house, and they were combining them. So they had to go to this large segment. And everywhere you're taking something out, it has a strike through, and everywhere you're adding. Anyway, so I'm asking, do I have to read this whole thing? And, and uh, they said, yes, you do. So Robert's Rules of Order say I've got to read the whole resolution. So I'm reading for 30 minutes. It took me a solid 30 minutes to read this. Nobody is listening. There's a low chatter sound in the whole building. There's probably 2,000 ministers there. And it's just a little, everybody's visiting, talking on their phones, doing whatever they do, uh, talking to each other, trade mints, breath mints. And so I read it. When I got right to the end of this thing, I knew nobody was listening they were bored out of their minds. I was bored out of my mind. And I just made this statement right at the end. I said, would the musicians please come? <laughs> and it, it took a couple of seconds for all of these people who were not listening. And it registered on them what I just said. And then there was a loud applause. And everybody knew I was almost through. And they were happy. <laughs> my subject this morning is, would the musicians please come? In the book of Amos, watch this, Amos chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread. Notice who sends the famine. Who sent the famine? The Lord. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing, of hearing, of hearing the words of the Lord. I can preach today the word of the Lord, but whether you hear or not, that's your option. Okay? There's going to be a famine for the hearing of the words of the Lord. Verse 12 said, They shall wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord and shall not find it. You know, the Quakers who came and helped settle America over 200 years ago, got their name by trembling under the power of the Spirit. That's why they call them Quakers. Their faith shook them. Vance Havner said, too many of us today are shaky about what we believe 
but we're not shaken by what we believe. Now you have to think about that a minute to get it. We have come all the way from burning hearts to itching ears and from amen to so what. There was a time, it's not been that long ago, when few people, few people in churches would attach the name apostolic to their faith or to their church. But today, it's not uncommon. In fact, it is actually popular to consider and call oneself an apostolic. But I remind you, it hasn't been that long ago when that was not popular. And so we were for years and years just Pentecostal. And then a few years ago, because everybody wanted to have a little Pentecostal attached to the religion, so we started saying we're apostolic Pentecostals. When you use that term Pentecostals, and I'm going back a ways, are you listening to me? It came with some connotation, all right? And I could name a few things that would be exuberant hand clapping, the lifting of hands in worship, dancing with abandonment. The term was called dancing in the spirit. People fell out in the spirit, even in some quarters. They were called holy rollers. They preached and practiced a holiness lifestyle, a lifestyle of separation from the world. And while they may have been few in number, even including me, the faith of my parents and many of your parents who were Pentecostal really believed that with God, all things are possible. Life Magazine said the Azusa Street Revival and what happened over that 100-year time, so many people came to the Pentecostal faith, which was pretty much summed up by the baptism of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking in tongues that it was, that it was one of the 100 greatest events of the last century. Well, I believe Acts 2 is the greatest event, not of the last century, but since the earth began. I am a believer that Acts chapter 2 was the greatest day in the life of Jesus Christ because that's the day when he was not just with us, he was in us. And he said, I'm now with you, but I shall be in you. Go and tarry and wait. And today, a lot of different denominations and faiths of people, it's not so much to have that name Pentecostal. You are listening, I know, because you're quiet. And when sheep are feeding, they're very quiet. That's what I've been told. <laughs> there may be still some stigma attached to that word Pentecostals, and I'm sure in many quarters it still is, but I'm not ashamed to be numbered with the Pentecostals, amen? They use the term Bapticost. But what's happened is it kind of got popular 
I've actually had someone tell me they never dreamed that we could have a church like this with Pentecostals. But we did. Not about us. It's about this Pentecostal experience. <laughs> I text uh, earlier in the week my good missionary friend Jeff Mallory and I said, send me a picture, brother Jeff, of that crusade, that picture you took from your drone last year. It was on my mind because I'd received some text from a leadership seminar in the Philippines. Can you, do you all have that picture? Throw that picture up there. You see, Pentecost is no longer non-important. People are realizing this is real. <laughs> There's a guy by the name of Nimrod Workman. He wrote a song that all of you long timers will remember. It was very popular. <laughs> when I was growing up around here, and it said, when I first heard of Pentecost, I thought it was a shame that such an unholy teaching should be taught in Jesus' name. They said it was in the Bible, so I had no room to doubt, so I went around to see them and watch them sing and shout. And the verse said, it's real. Anybody know that? It's real. This Pentecostal blessing, oh, I know, I know it's real. It's real. It's real. I know it's real. And I'll sing it all by myself because I know, I know it's real. <laughs> the second verse that I said a little longer, wondering what my folks would say. I knew they didn't like it in this Pentecostal way. For just a night or two ago, I heard my daddy say that when he got religion, he didn't act that way. Some were shouting hallelujah. Some were prostrate on the floor. Some were dancing in the spirit from the pulpit to the door. Some were quaking, some were shaking. As one by one they fell. And when I saw a brother shake, I thought he had had a spell. It's real, it's real. I know it's real, this Pentecostal blessing, and I know, I know it's real. It's real. So I started for the altar with a hunger in my soul. I didn't care who saw me, for the Spirit bade me go. I raised my hands to heaven and let God have his way. Praise the Lord, he filled me in this good old Pentecostal way. <laughs> you gotta be a little older to remember that, I guess. What does it mean to be an apostolic Pentecostal? This is my definition. It means we believe and practice what the apostles believed 
and practice. Amen? Whether it be in doctrine, in our preaching, in our prayer, in our giving, in our vision, in our faith, in the anointing, in discipleship, I want to be like the apostles. Amen? If we're going to carry the name Pentecostal or apostolic, praise God, let's preach and practice what the apostles preached and practiced. It wouldn't hurt some of you to have a spell. (laughs) It wouldn't hurt some of you to have a spell. Well, I'm too dignified for that. Yep. I'll get to you in a minute. There's this interesting story in 2 Kings chapter 3. Paul said these things were written for our admonition. They're examples for us. Jehoram, the son of Ahab, became king in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. Jehoshaphat was a good king. But Jehoram did evil in the sight of the Lord, not like his parents, the Bible said, but he continued to worship the idol gods that Jeroboam had set up at Dan and Bethel. He was not in God's favor. And during the reign of his father Ahab, the king of Moab had been paying as tribute to Israel 100,000 lambs and 100,000 rams each year. But the scripture said the king of Moab rebelled against Israel and said, no more. We're not paying any more of these tariffs. (laughs) So Jehoram, the son of Ahab, who did not have favor in the eyes of God, asked Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, to go to battle with him against the Moabites so he can get his 100,000 lambs and 100,000 rams back every year. And for whatever reason, I don't know, but Jehoshaphat agreed to go with him. And they get out in the wilderness. They get out in the wilderness. And they run out of water. The men had no water. The Bible said their cattle had no water. Have you ever been thirsty? But when you got thirsty, it wasn't going to take you long to get a drink, was it? They had no water and there was no water to drink and there was nowhere to get water to drink. And so they came quickly to the determination that we're fixing to get slaughtered. You brought us out here. There's not a person in this room that hasn't at some point in your life been in a position where you needed a word from God. You needed somebody to give you a word from the Lord. Most of the time, we can find every answer in this book. But I've been in places in my life, and many, if not all of you, have been in places in your life where you're trying to make a decision as to what do I do, and you're thinking in your mind, I wish I had a word from God. Because God knows everything. 
So if God could direct me, am I boring you? You kind of act like I'm boring you. The king of Judah, Jehoshaphat, asked a question. As they're here in this situation in verse 11 of 2 Kings 3, he said, is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poured water on the hands of Elijah. There is a prophet here. Elisha's here with us. My message was born out of a dream early, early Tuesday morning. I woke up dreaming this dream. And in my dream, I was preaching. Go figure that. And in the middle of my message, not at the end of my message, I asked for the organist to come. And when I asked for the organist to come, somebody shouted out from the congregation and said, you're playing the crowd. That happened in my dream. And I shouted back at him. And I said, I'm doing what Elisha did when he wanted a word from God. And I woke up. And I went into the kitchen as some 60-year-old people do at 3 in the morning to get a little drink of water. My wife was already in there. And I looked at the microwave clock and it said 3 a.m., 3 o'clock in the morning. It was a God moment for me and I could not go back to sleep. So I got my little notepad and I went into another room and I began to listen to some music because you see, here's what happened in verse 16. Actually, he said, thus saith the Lord. You see what happened with Elisha when when they went to get him. He said, he said, if it weren't for Jehoshaphat, I wouldn't even talk to the king of Israel. But because of my respect for him, and he said, bring me a minstrel, which was a harp. Bring me a minstrel. I need some music. I called my friend, Brother Osborne. I said, Brother Osborne, why did he need music to hear from God? And I'm gonna get into what he told you in a moment, what he told me when he shared this with me. Brother Osborne's a a great preacher from Indianapolis, Indiana. But when I woke up in that moment, this is what I felt like God was telling me for the Pentecostals of Bossier City. I'm fixing to give you a word and it's gonna be a strong word. And you're gonna have to listen to me. Since you're here this morning, you are a Pentecostal of Bossier City. So don't say, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're here. Amen. When he got that word from God, he said in verse 16, and thus saith the Lord, 
make this valley full of ditches. For thus saith the Lord, you shall not see wind, neither shall you see rain, yet that valley shall be filled with water that you may drink, both you and your cattle and your beast. They desperately needed a word from God. Beyond a word from God, they needed a miracle. They needed water in the wilderness. What a strange instruction from God in the wilderness to make the valley full of ditches. I've been in a few wildernesses. It's more rock than it is dirt. And the Lord is saying, dig some ditches. My dad said in the Battle of the Bulge, every time you stopped, you dug a foxhole and the ground was frozen. But you knew you had to dig a foxhole because when the sun went down, the mortar rounds were going to be firing and you needed to be in a foxhole. And when somebody didn't dig a foxhole, they weren't getting in your foxhole because it would take you a while to dig it. They didn't have Gatorade. These men are thirsty. They don't have any water. They hadn't drank water. There's no monster drink. They don't have Red Bull. I know they're tired. And the word of the Lord is, make this valley full of ditches. Let me explain something to you. When you get a word from God, you gotta act on it. The famine is not gonna be for the word of God. This is still the most popular book, the most reprinted book on the planet. The famine is not gonna be for the word of God. The famine is gonna be for hearing the word of God. So my question to you today, if God gives us a word, are you ready to move on it? I got about 25, 30%. If God speaks to you today, if God speaks to you next week, are you ready to move on it? So we ought to be shouting, God, give us a word from the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap, everybody in the house. Brother Osborne said, Brother Dean, here's why he needed some music, because he's in the midst of chaos. You got thousands upon thousands of soldiers. You got people fussing and fighting, wondering the cattle are lowing for lack of something to drink, for no water. The men are thirsty. They were probably complaining. In the middle of the desert, Elisha asked for someone who could play the harp because he needed to refocus. He needed to refocus. He didn't want to be there. I don't know even why he was there. He didn't have any respect for King Jehoram, the son of Ahab, but he was there perhaps for Jehoshaphat. But the old prophets and the priests in Israel, they had what was called the Urim and the Thummim. It was used to get a word from God. And I'm not even sure how all of that worked, but I know Jehoshaphat was saying, we need a word from God. Is there a prophet of the Lord here? Is there somebody that can hear from heaven? And David 
And man, Elisha asked for a heart. I don't know what it is about music. This is why I, asked, I titled my message, Will the Musicians Please Come? But I know music is a very powerful medium. The old cameras that we used to have that uh, were single lens cameras, every shot, you had to refocus. Every time you wanted to take another picture, you had to refocus. In the early 80s, the church that I pastored, I, I, had a, I, I wanted to be a photographer. I never got good, but they, they gave me a little cash offering one year for my birthday. It was like $200, and they pinned all this money on my jacket, and I knew immediately what I wanted, and I found me an AE1 program. That A stands for automatic, because now they're fixing cameras where you don't have to focus on every picture, it'll automatically focus. But the old cameras, you had to refocus every time. You had to set your aperture every time. These things would control the background and, and uh, the lighting and such as that. If, anytime you took a picture, somebody moved a little further away from the camera, you gotta refocus. That's why those old photographers who took pictures all over America, that Ansel guy, whatever, that's why they were so good because they had those single lens cameras. There was no automatic. And, and I think we've moved into this world, in this situation, even in churches, where we want everything to be automatic. Would you have the musicians come, please? Could somebody come play me a harp? Can somebody put me in the mood and the spirit take my mind you see music is not the entree in the church music is the appetizer praise and worship is to get our hearts ready to receive the word of God when an evil spirit from the Lord came upon Saul who wanted a word from God, he would be so troubled that David could come in there and start playing that harp. And I don't know how it worked, I don't know what it did, but it helped Saul refocus and his tormented mind would find peace. And it works. It works. Early in the morning, I turned on my, my Spotify playlist and I'm listening to songs. Watch, watch how it works. Close your eyes. If you're comfortable doing it, lift your hand right now and sing with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Sing it. In his one. And the things will grow strange. Now we're going to do it again, but you're going to really sing it. You're going to sing it out. Are you ready? Turn. Come on, sing it. Watch the mood shift in here. Watch it. I don't know if it's acoustics or what, but this, this little section right here are singing. This is who I'm hearing right here. And this, what's going on here? Some of you need to get on a praise team, I think. 
something's going on here. I want to hear a word from God. I want to get refocused. I want my life to be refocused. I want to find out what's eternal and what's temporal. I want to figure out what matters and what don't matter. I'm talking about in the long run. I want to get a word from God. I would ask you a question this morning. If we get a word from God here, are we ready to act on it? Are we ready to move on it? Is there anybody else desperate for a move of God? I I told you all that in the beginning. We want to be apostolic. We want to be apostolic. We want to be Pentecostal. We're having a move of God. We're having a move of the Holy Ghost. We're having prodigals pray through watching us on the internet. We're having prodigals come home. We got a bunch of brand new people to Pentecost. They love it. They're hungry for the word of God. But there's something big coming. You see, I want to see, I want to see the colonel's healed of cancer. I want to see God walk in here. I want to see Acts 3 again. I don't have any silver and gold, but such as I have ye, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ to get refocused to get a word from heaven, to be obedient to whatever God tells us to do. When Saul became king in Israel, he gave an order to kill all the witches. But when he got old and he disobeyed God because he didn't obey the word of God that he got from Samuel, he was desperate because God forsook him. God turned his back on him. Samuel's in the grave. Samuel's dead. Samuel's in the grave, and he goes looking for a witch. Saul, who had all the witches killed, he thought. He disguises himself and goes looking for the witch to call up Samuel from the dead. And I don't know how that happened. I don't even know what it was. Was it Samuel? Was it his spirit? I don't know. I don't know what it was. But Samuel's saying, Saul, leave me alone. You know, when God gives us a word, we got to act on it. We got to focus in. This is why I'm saying we got to focus. Sometime you ought to be up here from my angle in the pulpit and we talk about refocusing and looking across the congregation and you see all these things going on and you see, I don't see anybody right now. I'm going to give you five seconds to put your phone up, all right? You see people looking at their phones. They got a little text or, or they're checking out their Facebook or looking at Instagram. They're trying to figure out who looked at their post and anybody like my Instagram post to put your phone up now because we're refocusing, all right? You see somebody reach in, jump up, head to the bathroom, you know, and 50 people watch them go down the aisle and out the back door, and I'm up here trying to preach to you. See a mama burping her baby, you know? She's rocking back and forth, and you're burping the baby, and 20 eyes are right on the baby, and that's why I like sitting in the front. I miss all that when I sit up at the front. I don't watch you. I don't have to watch people parading in and out. Hallelujah. Uh Uh-oh, I got somebody leaving right Right now, bad time on that leaving. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, mom and daddy said, you go use the bathroom before we go to church because you ain't going out during church. (laughs) Brother, today we're doing everything in the world just to keep them happy on the pew, aren't we? Because we live in a distracted world. We live in a world where we're hearing voices from every angle. 
We're hearing voices from everywhere. We got, it seems like we're more occupied. Our minds are more occupied. With all this stuff we're hearing, we know more people. We know about more sickness. We know about more problem. And so when you come to the house of God, that's what the music is for. It's to help me refocus, you know? Somebody pulls out a, 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 some, some mints, and then when they pull out the mints to take a mint in church, you got five hands down the aisle holding their hand out. You see all that kind of stuff from up here at the pulpit. You know what I'm saying? But I long for the day when somebody plays that music and we get in tune with the Holy Ghost and God starts speaking to us. Am I the only one here today that's hungry for a word from heaven? America is in trouble. The world is in trouble. Amen. Don't put your faith in anywhere else but the word of God. He said there's gonna be a famine for hearing the word of God. We need a word from heaven. Clap your hands again and shout, would you do that? That's why we tell you sometimes, you ought to talk to God before you talk to man. You ought to get up in the morning and get in his book before all these voices start coming at you from every angle and the phone starts texting and things are going off and they're going around. I hear the sound of revival, the song says, deep in the hearts of your people. Send it now. We're hungry. We thirsty. We want you. We're waiting for you. We've been praying. We've been sowing. Now we're crying. Heaven, send the rain. We're desperate. We're desperate for a move from God. What are you gonna do when you get that word from God? We used to have twin boys that went to church here, Keith and Kenneth Hansen, and one, one time during a missions conference, they were probably, at the time, they were probably 14 years old. We were having a missions conference, and the missions missionaries were pulling in our hearts. Everybody gets called to be a missionary during the missions conference. And, and so one of those boys, I don't know if it's Keith or Kenneth. I think it was Kenneth. I never could tell them apart anyway. One of them ran up here with a $50 bill. And I, I'm sure to him, that was like 1000 bucks. And he pulled that $50 bill out of his pocket. He said, here, Pastor, put that in the missions offering. And whichever one it was, I said, that's okay. Just put it in an envelope. Just put it in an envelope and bring it tonight. Put your name on it. Put it in the offering. He said, no, no. He said, I'll change my mind before tonight. If I wait till tonight, I won't do it. We had a miracle offering here a few years ago when a, an evangelist came with a word from God. You remember that? He said, this church is gonna give $50 million to Global Missions. You remember that? And over the next six months, I crawled up. I was sitting on the platform then. I put my head down between my knees. I was embarrassed to get up and look at anybody. I got a call the next day from a man in the church. He said, does that young man know how much $50 million is? I don't know. I called Brother Tenney. He was our superintendent. I said, I don't know what to do with this. What do I tell the church? Well, he said, give our young prophet some room, you know, to make mistakes. He is a man of God, and he is a man of God. And he said, and he said, Brother Dean, he should have ran that by you before he went to the church. That would probably have been a good idea, but I'd have probably told him not to tell it, you know. I, that's kind of the way it is. And then Brother Tenney summed it up by saying, but what if it's true? 
What if it's true? What I do know is in the next six months, half a million dollars was laid right at the front of this pulpit. What I do know is we built the William H. Dean Memorial in Nicaragua. We built the Floyd Leverton Memorial in Mexico. What I do know is we remodeled a Bible school in Chile. What I do know is whatever he didn't get done, something did get done. And I was thinking about it at three o'clock in the morning, I wrote it down that during that time, there was a high school boy in this church that came. Are you ready for this? I'm gonna close in a minute. I'm gonna call for the musicians in a minute. But one of our young teenage boys brought a check to the church and it was for like 12,000, I know it was 12,676 cents. It was to the penny. And I'm like, what is going on here? Sister Karen brought it and showed it to me. I didn't know if his parents knew about this or not. I called his parents and or talk to him, I don't remember, and I said, what, what's going on here? I knew what had happened. He had a savings account. I knew he had a job. I knew he was saving his money probably to go to college, and I knew that he had given every penny, and I asked the daddy, did he give every penny of everything he had saved? He said he gave every penny. He emptied out that bank account down to the cent. He just gave it all. That scares you. That frightens me. That messes with all of us, but you know what? he felt like he got a word from God and I'm wondering what would happen here who knows what is God going to ask us to do if he asks us to give are we ready to give if he asks us to fast are we ready to fast are you hearing the preacher this morning I'm just saying whatever he asks us to do we're going to do it are you ready because nearly every miracle was surrounded by warfare. If God said dig some ditches, are we gonna dig some ditches? What about it, brothers and sisters? How much do you trust him? Woo, give the Lord a hand clap, everybody. I want to hear from God. I want a word from God. We've been praying. We've been sowing. Now we're waiting, oh God. We're waiting. We're waiting. Get the musicians up here. Get some music going. Get something going. We got to get the mood right. We got to get the spirit right. We got to get the world out. We got to refocus. Hey! We got to get the focus on eternity and not on the temporal. Would somebody help me preach right now? Give him one more hand clap, please. What has temporal value? What is important? What does matter? I need an organist. I need a harp player. I need to refocus. I need to refocus. I have a need. I have a boy away from God. I need a word. I need a word. I need a word. Is there a prophet of the Lord here? Is there somebody that can tune into heaven? Is there somebody? 
I don't know when I was staying up. When I was up at 4 o'clock in the morning, I'm like, God, I don't know who will be here Sunday. Maybe somebody's praying right now. Give me a word, Lord. Give me a word, God. Give me a word. Give me direction. I went and preached Houston Metro Camp Meeting in June. My wife and I went in that congregation unbeknown to us. Unbeknown to us was a little couple that my mother and father had won to the Lord many, many, many years ago who came on to, who went on to be a preacher. And I don't have time to tell the story because I'm really fixing to ask the musicians to come back. But I, anyway, at the end of that service, at the end of that service, he, they came walking up to the front and we embraced them and smiled and we were so happy to see them. I hadn't seen them in, in probably last time I saw them was at my elder brother's funeral and that's been seven or eight years ago now at least seven and so I was we were happy to see him and I didn't know until after the service that my wife came up to me uh, my wife told me on the way back that that sister Simpson told her she said we've been praying about an answer from heaven and we came to this service tonight and your husband's message answered our prayer and I would pray today that maybe the reason God gave me this is to help somebody here refocus. I gotta get my priorities right. I gotta see what's important and what's not important. And I'll never forget what she told my wife. We know, we know what it was. She didn't have to tell us. We know what it was. I went back to Isaiah 58 and I'm closing. Isaiah 58 verse 2 and 3 said, You seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God and they asked me of the ordinances of justice and they take delight in, in approaching to God. And they're asking this question, Wherefore have we fasted, say they, thou didst, thou, that thou seest not? Where, wherefore have we afflicted our soul and, and take us no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and you exact all labors. And there's a lot in that particular verse of Scripture. So they're asking, they're asking, God, we've been fasting, we ain't hearing nothing. We don't have a word. We're fasting. We're, we're, we're punishing our physical bodies. And we've afflicted our soul. We're, we're hungry for a word from God. You go down to verse 6. He said, is not this the fast that I've chosen to loose the bands of wickedness? to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. God is saying to them, fasting is more than just you doing without food and punishing the flesh. I have purpose in having you to fast because your fast is designed to break some bands of wickedness, to, to take some burdens off of people. He said, as you go on down, is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house when thou seest the naked that thou cover him and that thou Hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then he said, thy light shall break forth as the morning of thine health shall spring forth speedily and thy righteousness shall go before thee and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. God is saying, I know what you're doing, you're fasting, but you're not doing it the way I want you to do it. When you fast, I want you to bring the poor to your house. When you fast, I want you to feed a hungry man or a hungry woman. When you fast and see, they were afflicting their soul, but they needed a word from God. They needed God. I'm hungry for a word from God. I'm hungry for a word from God. God, we've been praying. We've been sowing. We've been listening. We've been waiting. Now we need a word from God. 
You see, God doesn't need anything. And I read that verse this morning in Ezekiel 16 49. It said the sin of Sodom. When we think of Sodom, we only think of one thing. We think of immorality, right? When you talk about Sodom and Gomorrah and the fire that came and burned them up, we think about one thing, don't we? We think about immorality. But in Ezekiel 16 and 49, he said the sins of Sodom were pride. They were fullness of bread and they were the abundance of idleness. And I see so much of us in that. Mm. Do we have a musician in the house that can put me in the mood and in the mindset to hear from heaven? You see, God don't need anything. He don't need any more knowledge. He knows everything. He don't need anything. I'm going to tell you what God needs. And I'm telling you, he don't need anything. But for God to move in our lives, this is what God wants. God wants us to need him. That was the problem in Laodicea. They said in 3 and 17 of Revelation, we have need of nothing. And we have need of nothing. The eyes of the Lord run true and fro across all the earth, the Bible said. He's looking for somebody to show himself strong to. The king of Asa went down and hired the Syrians to fight his battle, and God said, was I not good enough? Why didn't you send for a prophet? Why didn't you ask me? Why didn't you ask me to help you, Asa? I would have helped you. My eyes, he said, are running to and fro around all the earth. Looking, I'm looking for somebody. I want God's eyes to stop right here on me and you, right? I want God's eyes to stop right here. Hallelujah. Right now. Would the musicians really please come? Because we do have need of something. First miracle Jesus ever performed was to meet a need. Because if we have no problems, we have no need for miracles. We only need miracles because we have needs. And if we have no needs, we don't need God. A lady with means and a lot of money told me one day, the Bible says it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, he said it with man. He said, it's possible. He said, it's possible. But Jesus said, it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven. Now, don't shoot me. Don't get mad at me. I'm the messenger. That's a word from heaven. You know what Asa did when the prophet told him that? Was God not enough? You could ask him to help you. You know what he did? He put the man in prison. He put the messenger. He put the prophet in prison. Because he brought a word from God. And he didn't like the word. Jesus said it's hard for a rich man to go to heaven. But I don't know very many people that's not trying to make more money, do you? The only proof that I have conquered greed is through my giving. What would God want? I'm not preaching about money. I'm not asked to give a dime today. That's not the intent of my sermon. It's to show you when we have no needs. Jesus died, rose again, met with the disciples. Went out to the Sea of Galilee. 
It's in the closing chapter of John. Peter said, I go fishing. Jesus is not here. Savior's gone. I'm going back to my occupation. I'm go- I know how to fish. I know how to fish. I can make a living fishing. I'll fall back on fishing. We don't have the offerings anymore. I'm not traveling with Jesus. He's not a rabbi now. So I'm going fishing. You can't really blame him, can you? Jesus didn't show up. They fished all night. Remember that story? They fished all night. Jesus was over there. He don't eat anything. He got, I don't know how he got the fish. He got fish on the fire. He's cooking breakfast. They don't even know it. They're out there fishing. Jesus is over there building a fire, grilling some fish, putting some slap your mama on it. You got it already. Are you listening? I hope you're listening. I want a word from God. Jesus told all the fish, get on the other side of the lake. They didn't catch anything. They didn't catch anything. Jesus hollered out, you got anything to eat? No, we fished all night. Fish not biting. Yeah, I know they're not biting. I sent them on the other side of the sea. Cast your net on the other side. See, this is not the first time this miracle has happened. It's the second time. He threw the net on the other side, and when they pulled it up, they couldn't get the net in. Simon Peter bailed out of that boat. He didn't even have all his clothes on, the Bible said. He said, it's the master. I hear the master calling for somebody today. Is there a word from God for me? I hear what the master's saying. Yeah, I want you to need me. Every head's bowed in this congregation. I want you to turn your eyes upon Jesus right now. I've been preaching way too long the last three Sundays and I offer absolutely zero apologies for it. I'm sorry. I know it's not guest friendly and user friendly, but I'm stirred in my soul. And I I hear the Holy Ghost speaking to somebody right now. I hope you recognize his voice. I hope you're like Simon Peter. I hope you're ready to bail out of that boat and rush to the front and say, God, tell me what to do. You're going to hear what the Lord said to Simon. You love me more than these, Simon. You love me more than these. Or you know I love you. No, Simon, I'm asking you, do, do you love me? Everybody on their feet right now, we're getting ready to come pray. I'm going to ask all the members of the Pentecostals of Bossier to join with me over the coming days and weeks and pray. Is there a word from the Lord for us? Is there a word from the Lord? And when God gives us the word, we're not going to be like Felix when he got a word from Paul. The Bible said he trembled. That must have been a powerful word. He reasoned with him of righteousness, temperance, and judgment. And Felix trembled. 
But he said, Paul, the time is not good. I got a lot going on. I'll call for you at a more convenient season. When I get some things taken care of, it sounds good, but I'm not ready. You better get ready, Agrippa, because Felix, because he ain't coming back by. And you'll never hear the word again. This is your opportunity. Father, move in this congregation right now. Who are you talking to, God? Who are you talking to, God? Speak to my heart right now. God, you've asked me to lead this great church. I need a word from you. Is there an apostle, a prophet somewhere, an evangelist that has a word for us? Show us who it is, God. We're going to get in the right frame of mind. We're going to hear. We're going to hear what thus saith the Lord is. I just, I don't know if you're even comfortable, but if your husband or wife is standing by you, take somebody by the hand. Some of you are already wanting to come pray. Somebody's wanting to rush to the front right now. I know it. I feel that in the Holy Ghost. You're wanting to talk to God. You're wanting to say, God, give me a word. I've watched so many people shatter their lives because they rushed headlong into a decision and never heard a word from God. They violated everything they had ever been taught, heard, lived because they got ready to do something they didn't pray about. They didn't even pray about it. Just rushed. We dig the ditches. He'll bring the water. Where'd that water come from? It just came from the east. Nobody knows. But he'll fill that ditch with water. Maybe God's talking to you about stepping out and being baptized this morning. Maybe God's talking to you about pursuing the baptism of the Holy Ghost. What is it? As many as will, let's make our way to the front right now. As many as will come. The musicians are playing. The singers are getting ready to sing. Hallelujah. We need a word, Lord. We need a word. Why don't you hide away this week and turn on some music, some good, some good Christian music that you like and say, God, I'm waiting on a word from you. Pastor Dean preached to me this week and I'm waiting on a word from you. Let's sing, let's sing and pray.